a lot of verses, but I've got seven things I want to try to share with you today um, with regards to uh, preaching the gospel and getting the message out. Just some practical things, I think, that the Bible teaches us about that will maybe help us uh, not only be diligent in the area, but to be effective in the area of uh, sharing the gospel. And uh, I don't know about you, but I, I want, if I'm going to labor and work for the Lord, I want it to be profitable. Uh, I don't want to just go out and work and labor and have no fruit for it. Uh, I want to, to certainly have some fruit. And uh, I think the Bible teaches us some things that uh, are very um, important for us to know and to understand. And so we'll look at several of these things today. Again, there's probably, as, as there is oftentimes when I do a, a message like this where we just give some practical helps from Scripture, um, there, I, I'm certain that there are more than I'm going to give you today. Uh, and you can find more and more as you study Scripture, and I'm sure that you can add to the list as you go through your personal Bible study. Uh, and that's, that's the beauty of God's Word. It continues to teach us. It's not something that is an end in and of itself. We continue to learn from it. We continue to study it. And I was telling Brother Mark the other day, and I think I've mentioned it to a few folks in talking, that uh, the more you learn and study the Bible over the years, the more you realize you don't know about it. And it causes there to be more of a desire to study it, uh, to realize that, boy, there's just a lot of things that uh, I still don't know yet, and uh, we need to learn them. Second Timothy chapter 4, if you will. Second Timothy chapter number 4. And uh, we're going to look at four verses, uh, just kind of as a foundation, uh, kind of a launching point, if you will. And uh, so keep your Bibles handy, and we'll turn uh, to these passages. Second Timothy chapter number 4 and verse number 1, Paul says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing to and his kingdom, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering, and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and make full proof of thy ministry. And Paul, uh, instructing Timothy, says uh, that uh, he is to be uh, instant in preaching, in season and out of season, to reprove, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering, And he does this because he, he knows that there's going to come time where Timothy's going to get frustrated. He's going to see that uh, there are people that, out here, that are out here that do not want to hear what he has to, to preach and to teach. And Paul's exhortation to him is this. When that time comes, the answer is to keep preaching the Word. Uh, you don't stop just because people don't listen. I, I'm so tired of going around talking with other preachers today and uh, in, in churches that uh, they, uh, they're, they're fairly small, usually in number, uh, and they're discouraged, they're frustrated. And their, their comment is this, uh, well, the world is just so hard today, you just can't seem to reach them. And they almost have a spirit of being resigned to the fact that God's Word can't do the work. But the truth is, it can. Uh, look with me, if you will, in Hebrews chapter number 4. Hebrews chapter number 4. The answer to uh, an apathetic world is to keep on preaching, to take the Word of God and to preach the Word of God. And we're going to look a little bit more about this uh, as we go along. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12, the Bible says, For the Word of God is quick and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing, even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. 
And uh, it says in verse 13, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open in the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And uh, so this Word of God is the, the, the instrument that God has given us, the tool, if you will, that He's put in the hand of His workmen to do the work. Uh, it is the thing that is powerful. I've said so often before, I've had people ask me, well, Pastor, how do I deal with somebody who doesn't believe the Bible? Quote the Bible. Give them the Bible. Your arguments don't uh, have the promise of God to be powerful. Your logic, your reasoning, your uh, historical facts, your scientific facts, those are not having the promise of God placed upon them to be powerful and to pierce the heart. But the Bible is. The Word of God is quick, and it is powerful. And I'll be honest with you, there are, and I hope I am all the time, because I've tried not to say that in recent years. I'll be frank with you, let's put it that way, clear with you, that there are a, a lot of preachers that will deviate from giving Scripture, and they'll try to logic and reason and give philosophy as to why something is true. Can I tell you that I can give you all of my opinion, but there is no authority outside of Scripture. And my opinion is my opinion. Uh, it's no more important than your opinion. But when it's God's Word, it now has authority behind it. So the answer to an apathetic world, the answer to those that would say, I don't believe the Bible, is to give them the Bible to keep preaching the Bible, to keep giving them instruction in, in God's Word. That is why it is so vitally, vitally important that we know this book, that we can read it and understand it and study it and handle it well, and to have enough knowledge about it that when we come across passages that maybe somewhat would be somewhat difficult to understand on their own, there's enough background in other areas of Scripture that help support the understanding of that verse that we can understand those things. And then we can teach them. Uh, very, very important that when it comes to preaching the Word of God, that we don't deviate and begin to use men's philosophy, men's tactics. Uh, we are living in a day where churches and pastors, and I, I would, I'm, going to, I'm going to take it and make it a little more personal. I'm going to say pastors who are responsible for leading the church and leading the flock are more and more caving into this idea of, of um, entertainment, uh, of, of trying to grab the, the imagination of the people. They don't need their imagination grabbed. They need the truth of God's Word presented to do a work in the heart. And I, I, I'm appalled at sometimes how some of these men get up, and they, they may have a great message and a great truth to proclaim, but they feel like they have to, to have some kind of big uh, prop or, or stage thing, and they, they, they begin to center the focus of the attention on this thing. As if to say, I've got to get the people up here. The Bible will do the work. All we have to do is preach it. Uh, it is the thing that God has promised is powerful. It's quick. It's alive. It does the work. And the Holy Spirit uses His Word in the hearts of men to do a transforming work on the inside that you and I can never do. Now, look with me, if you will, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. And let's look in verse number 16. Verse, 1 Corinthians chapter number 9 and verse number 16. The Apostle Paul says this. In fact, let's, let's back up a little bit to verse number 14. Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. But I have used none of these things, neither have I written these things, that it should be done so unto me. For it were better for me to die than any man should make my glory void. For though I preach the gospel... I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me, 
uh, Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. And so Paul says, listen, I am woe unto me if I preach not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it is vitally, vitally important that when it comes to our service, we, we just had a message this morning uh, on the importance of having compassion on those that are lost and sharing the gospel with even the unlovable, uh, the people that we look at and, and we think, boy, they're dirty, they're nasty, they're sinners, and that's going to that's gonna, uh, take some effort, and it's going to take some labor, and it's probably going to uh, cause me to be uncomfortable about some things. They still need the gospel. They still need it. And the way that we reach them is not by uh, having programs for them. Uh, I, I feel like churches program things to death in their churches. They need to have the preaching of God's Word. And it needs to be the primary thing. Now, I'm not opposed to a program, provided it's not what they're using as the, the reason for what they're doing. The main thing must be the preaching of God's Word. It's got to be there. Uh, I know that there are churches out here that... Um, do all kinds of things in order to get people to come into the church. I don't. I, I, the older I get in ministry, the more I don't see that as a, a, a method that God gives in Scripture. I find men of God standing up with the power of God resting upon them and proclaiming the Word of God, and people come and respond to the preaching. And I believe that is God's method. I believe that is what God desires. Let's look in Romans chapter number 10. And let's look in verse number 14. Again, a very familiar passage. Many of you may know. Romans chapter number 10 and verse number 14. He says, How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now, I want to just go so far as to say this, that uh, men that stand in the pulpit, we call them pastors, they certainly preach the Bible. But the truth is, the responsibility of every Christian is to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He told his disciples, he said, Go ye into all the world in what? Preach the gospel to every creature. You're as much of a preacher of the gospel as any man that stands behind the pulpit. There's other responsibilities that a pastor has, but all of us are responsible to preach it. All of us are responsible to give the gospel message out to those that are lost. We're to reach them with, with the gospel message. So we're living in a time where, to be real frank with you, we need to uh, reject uh, the mindset of entertainment and the mindset of uh, all the programming that goes on to try to, uh, to organize the, the church into um, gimmicks and um, things that will draw people into the church house and just get back to praying down the power of God on a ministry and preaching the Word of God in, in, His, in His fullness. Let God do the work. Let God build the church. Uh, let's just be obedient to what His Word says. Now, there are several things. If we're going to preach the gospel, and, and I've given you four verses here, I could give you uh, probably that many or a dozen more, on the necessity, the importance, the urgency that all of us have to preach the gospel. Paul said, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. Uh, it, it really ought to hang heavy on us. If we are not in some way proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world, if we never take that opportunity, uh, woe unto us for that. Here we are uh, with the gospel message, the answer for man's soul, and we're keeping it to ourselves. I years ago heard a story of three folks that were going to uh, cross the, uh, I think it was the Sahara Desert, if I remember the story correctly, and uh, they got to the last outpost and they were waiting on a guide to get them across. 
And uh, the guide was late, didn't show up for a couple of days. And the, the group said, well, listen, we can't wait any longer. We're going to go on. And the guy at the outpost said, listen, you don't need to go on. Uh, you're, you don't know the way. He said the, the, the group that was, it was two men and a woman. And they said, uh, well, listen, the barrels mark the way. They're, they put barrels about every quarter mile. You can see them. And we'll just follow them all the way through the desert, and it'll get us through. And the fellow advised against it. He said, listen, there's so many things that can happen out there. We really wish you wouldn't do it. And they were intent and set on going, so they, la- they launched out, just the three of them, without their guide. And uh, as they were going across, a sandstorm came, and they got off the trail a little bit. And unbeknownst to them, the sandstorm covered the barrels that, that marked the way through the, the desert. Uh, several search parties were sent out for them, and they actually ended up finding the, the bodies in one that survived uh, just a short distance off of the path. They weren't that far away, but they just didn't, didn't see them. And when they recovered uh, them, there were two of them that had died and one man that had lived and survived, and he was almost dead. And they took him back, they put him in the hospital, they nursed him back to health, and they asked him, they said, how is it that you came to survive the harshness of the desert? And the other two died uh, seemingly early on in, the, in the, the time that they were stranded. And he made this statement. He said, I, I knew something that they didn't know. He said, I knew that we had fresh water in the radiator of our vehicle. And he said, every night when they would go to sleep, he said, I would go over and take a few sips of the water, and it sustained me and kept me alive. They arrested the man and tried him and found him guilty of murder because he had the means to save the other two and did not do it. We shake our heads and we think, how could a human being be so cruel as to do something like that? But the truth is, we have the answer for men's souls. And Paul said, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. We are to proclaim the gospel. Let me give you several things that I think the Bible teaches us that will help us to accomplish this uh, from Scripture. Let's look at first of all in Romans chapter number 1. Romans chapter number 1. I think an important thing is for us to have a proper attitude about ourselves. And Paul certainly has that. This isn't the first point, but it's, it's just an observation here. Paul certainly has that as he introduces this thought to uh, his letter to the Romans in verse 14. He says, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. What does he mean by that? I am debtor both to them. Uh, The same concept I just shared with you. The fact that he had the words of eternal life. He had the answers. And so because of that, there was a debt that he had to those that did not have it. And so he says this in verse 15, and this is the point I want us to see. The Bible says this, So as much as in me is, I am, what's the next word here? Ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Can I tell you this, that in order for you and I to preach the gospel the way the Bible says we ought to preach the gospel, first and foremost, we need to be ready. We need to be ready. Uh, There are several areas that we need to be ready in. Number one, we need to be ready by understanding and handling the Word of God well. We need to know it and have a working knowledge of it. I I urge and and encourage people many, many times to read, study, memorize, listen to as much Scripture as you can do. Saturate your heart and your mind with it. Uh, Make it the thing that you love and you hunger and thirst for. Uh, The psalmist so often speaks of his desire for the words of God and uh, the importance of memorizing Scripture. But not only should we be ready uh, to handle the Word of God well and to know it well, but as far as our, our uh, mindset is about our service, uh, am I ready? Am I braced for 
the things that are, that are ahead of me if I go through with preaching the gospel. Because the truth is, there's going to come some opposition. Uh, there's going to come some people that will ridicule. And Paul said this, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And if you and I are to be ready, we need to make sure that we have this confidence in Christ. That we're not going to be ashamed of. We're not going to be scared to share the gospel. I talk to a lot of people, and, uh, and I've been in, in my life in places where I, I was embarrassed or I, I was scared to share the gospel with somebody early on in ministry. And I'll tell you, the older I've gotten, the less, uh, praise the Lord, the less that is the case. Uh, but, but, you know, the truth of us is it's human nature oftentimes for us to be nervous or scared about sharing something with somebody. But I have found that the more we know and understand and handle Scripture, um, I think it was Brother Mark I was talking to the other day. I can't remember now. I know I've talked to Brother Harold about this in the past and a few others maybe. But there, there are times when we get an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody and we just enter into the conversation and it's natural. It just, it's just part of what we do. It's part of our life. And I've learned that the more we study Scripture, the more we walk with God, the more we love this book and we love the message of this book, and the more we love those that are lost and are burdened for them, the easier it is and the less fear there is and the less embarrassment or shame that there is uh, that we have from the old nature about confronting somebody and sharing the gospel with them. To the point where sometimes it gets so sweet that it's not, it's not a nerve-wracking thing or a scary thing at all. It's just the natural outpouring of the fullness of what's in our heart. So when Paul said this, he said, I am ready to preach the gospel. I believe that uh, he's speaking here within the context uh, of his mindset. He says, listen, I, I'm getting ready to be, uh, I don't know what's ahead. I'm, he, he was in prison at this time, he, or he was uh, getting ready to, to get to the end of his uh, life at this time. And um, he knows that he's going to have some opposition. He knows he's going to have some persecution. And he says, listen, I'm ready. I, I, if, if the persecution comes, so be it. I'm ready to preach the gospel to you. And uh, I think that we need to, uh, uh, first and foremost, be ready. And the only way we can do that, the only way, and I'll give you two things that will help you, uh, we need to spend time with our Lord. We need to spend time walking with Him. And secondly, we must, we must spend time in His Word. We must know it well. We must handle it well. We ought to read it. Uh, I, I was reading something uh, here about a year or so ago, maybe a couple years now, I guess. COVID threw me out of whack on timing stuff. It might have even been right before COVID. But I was reading something where uh, somebody had done, they actually had done this. But if you can read the Bible at the, at the speed that you normally will speak from the pulpit, that you can read the Bible in its entirety in 72 hours. And it's amazing to me how we say, I don't have time for Scripture. The truth is, if we were really dedicated to it, we could read all of it in 72 hours. If we're a slow reader, let's double that. 144 hours, we could still do it in a week from, from cover to cover. And yet we're hard-pressed when we go through a New Year's resolution to get to the end of the year and say, I've read five chapters or a hundred chapters or ten chapters. We don't, we're not ready. We're not ready. If we're going to preach the gospel, if we're going to do what God has commissioned us to do, we need to be ready to preach the gospel. Paul was ready to preach the gospel. Uh, let's look in Isaiah chapter number 34. Isaiah chapter number 34. Isaiah chapter number 34. God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah, and He says this, Seek ye out the book of the Lord, and read. 
No one of these shall fail. None shall want her mate. For my mouth it hath commanded, and his spirit it hath gathered them. The, 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 the thing that will help us in getting ready to preach the gospel is if we seek out the book of the Lord and read it. And the idea of seeking means to have that hunger and that thirst for it. To, 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 I think of seeking as an adventure that's on the quest trying to find something that's hidden. Maybe a, an archaeological find or some kind of treasure. Can I tell you, that ought to be our mindset towards the gospel. That ought to be our mindset towards the Word of God. Isaiah chapter 34, verse 16. I see a few of you looking around. Did I give you the wrong verse in Scripture? Okay. So seek out the book of the Lord and read it. Uh, I think this is important. It's, it's paramount. Uh, for us to be able to preach the gospel, there needs to be an earnestness, there needs to be a desire in us to seek out the Word of the Lord uh, and to read it. Uh, let's look also in Isaiah chapter number 55. Isaiah chapter number 55. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter number 55. We'll begin in verse number 10. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, uh, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that uh, be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Can I tell you that the third thing uh, in order for us to preach the gospel is we need to make sure and we need to make certain that we believe the Bible for what it says. We need to make certain that we believe the Bible for what it says. And when he speaks here in uh, verse number 11, he says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void. There needs to be a confidence in what we're preaching in that it will do the work. I don't know how many times we get out here and, and we, uh, we anemically uh, try to give a little bit of Scripture and we sound so uncertain and almost so unsure about it that the people wonder sometimes if we're questioning even our own belief in it. There needs to be a confidence in Scripture. This Word will not return void. It's God's Word. It's supernatural. It's quick. It's powerful. And we need to have a faith in that. We need to believe that. Look with me. I, I wasn't going to bring this verse in this uh, sermon, but I was studying it for another message. But, but let's look at it real quick. Hebrews chapter 4 again. Let's go back there for a moment. I want to show you this. Hebrews chapter number 4. Hebrews chapter number 4. Let's look in verse number 1. The writer of Hebrews says this, Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into His rest. So he's speaking here of salvation. Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into His rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them. Wait a minute, an unprofitable word? Is that what the Bible's speaking of here? It is. That the word did not profit them. Why? Look, see what it says here not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. There are three things that need to happen. We need to understand when it comes to preaching the Word of God that God said it, we need to believe it, and then we need to live it. 
when we preach the gospel, we, we believe that God said it, and we tell people they ought to live it, and the thing that ties the two together is, we believe it to be so. That His truth will work in us to live the way we should. And when that faith is missing, when we try to preach the gospel and we don't have confidence in His Word, it leaves that center part out and it becomes unprofitable. It becomes a word that's heard but never acted upon. There needs to be a confidence. There needs to be a belief in our hearts. We need to have it settled that not only do I believe this book to contain the Word of God, I believe it is in every point the Word of God. In every aspect. And when I preach it, I'm not telling something based on what I think or what I I believe. I'm teaching them things on on what this book says. I I heard uh, recently a story of a young man who was... Uh, trying to be ordained in the ministry, and a group of preachers uh, had uh, a board, a panel, that were questioning him on matters of doctrine. And uh, he, he used Scripture well, and he supported the doctrinal questions that were asked of him from Scripture. And the men retired and discussed for a while and prayed about it and came back and said, we would be glad and we would be honored to ordain you to the gospel ministry. But one of the older men that were there, he said, if there's one word of advice I can give you, He said, when you came to those questions, you kept answering with, well, I believe, and then you would give the Scripture. I believe the Bible this. I believe the Bible that. He says, what I want you to do, young man, is go home and stand before the the mirror and say, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, and quit telling people what you believe. He said, they don't care what you believe. They need to know what the Bible says. And I believe we do a lot of harm sometimes by saying, I believe, and we leave out the gospel. We leave out the Word of God. When it comes to preaching the gospel, thirdly, we've got to, we've got to have full confidence in thus saith the Lord. This is what the book says. And we don't, we don't give what we think or what we believe. If we do, we preface it with that. But that's not our authority. Our authority is, this is what it says. Number four... Uh, Let's look in Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah chapter number 28. Isaiah chapter 28, and we'll begin... um, Let's let's, let's start in verse number 9. We're going to end up in verse 10. Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk, drawn from the breasts... For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Isn't that interesting, the way that this is worded? Uh, He repeats precept upon precept, precept upon precept. He also repeats line upon line, line upon line. When he's talking about teaching the Bible and, and sharing the Bible with someone... Uh, he, I think there's an emphasis here on the idea of repetitiveness. Uh, that there are times that not only do we need to proclaim it in truth, but we need to remind them often of what the Bible says. If your brain is like mine, it's like a, I tell people all the time, my brain's like a sponge. It holds a ton of water until you go to use it, and then all the water leaks out. You can't find it anymore. That's the way my brain is sometimes. And there are times we need to be reminded. Peter was very big about this. He, he, he called by way of remembrance, by way of remembrance, over and over, he would talk about reminding people, the importance of reminding people of these truths. 
Why? Because we as humans forget so quickly and so easily. Um, there are times we, we leave the, the service, and, and God may have even spoken to our hearts and drawn our hearts, and, and two hours later or a day later, we couldn't tell you what was preached on. Write it down. Remember it. Ask me about it, and if I remember it, I'll tell you. <laughs> I was telling somebody this week, you know, as a pastor, you preach four messages a week. And if you asked me three weeks from now what, what I preached four weeks ago on Sunday morning, I'd probably be hard-pressed to tell you. Now, if you can get me started on what the subject matter is, I could probably re-preach the message to you. But trying to recall the time and the place of it, a lot of times I can't. Why? I need to be reminded of it. So do you. If my mind thinks that way and, and has that issues, I'm sure others do. And as we've had COVID come around, a lot more people forget a lot more often. But can I say this, that when it comes to preaching the Word of God, don't say, well, I've run out of things to say. Go back and reiterate it. People need to hear it again. Uh, I shared with you the story of John Harper here in the morning service. How the man came near to him on the waves after sinking on the Titanic. And he cried out, are you, are you a Christian? Are you saved? Are you going to heaven? And the man said no. And he said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. The man drifted away. He came back the second time. He asked the man, he said, Are you saved yet? And he said, No, I'm not yet. What if John Harper had just stopped there? But he didn't. He said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved a second time. And because that man was diligent in repeating the gospel message, this man trusted Christ as his Savior there on those waves. Uh, we need to make sure that when it comes to preaching the Word of God, don't worry about running out of things to say. I, I've heard the story of a man years ago, uh, back I think it was the late 1800s, and I wish I could remember which, which one of the evangelists it was, but he was scheduled for a series of meetings. And the first night he preached on John 3.16. Wonderful message of salvation. And the second night he preached on John 3.16. And the third night. And the fourth night, and the fifth night, and he went on and on and on. And a week or two into it, he was still preaching on John 3.16. And somebody asked him one time and said, why are you continuing to preach on John 3.16? He said, because the work is not yet done. The work is not yet done. And the idea is that we continue to share the gospel. You say, well, they won't hear me. Then share it with them again. I know people that have shared it with friends and family members that... Uh, they, they were grateful maybe that you were concerned but didn't listen. Share it with them again. Share it with them again. Uh, remind them of it. Uh, Isaiah says, precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept. Line upon line, line upon line. Here a little and there a little. I don't think God made a mistake here and was redundant. I don't think He was stuttering. I don't think He uh, was trying to find ways to fill the, the chapter. I believe there was a reason for it that it needs to be consistently, repetitively told over and over and over again. Let's look in Romans chapter 15. We're almost done. Only 25 more points. And I'm just kidding, not that many. Not that many. Romans chapter 15. And let's look in verse number 20. Romans chapter 15 and verse number 20. Paul says this, Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel. Not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. I've strived. There was, there was some effort that was put forth. There was some striving. And 
Paul often used athletic terms many times in his teachings. He would use terms that were known by athletes. And the idea of striving is the sense of a man who is pushing towards the finish tape, stretching that last moment and trying to get to the end of the race and striving for it and pushing that last ounce of of energy that he had. And Paul's mindset was, I'm not only just ready to be offered, I'm not just ready to preach the gospel, and not just woe is me if I preach not the gospel, but he was of the mindset, I'm going to strive. And he did. Up until the day that he was uh, martyred for the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul preached the gospel. He preached uh, to the uh, people there in Jerusalem when he was arrested by the uh, Romans and protected from the throng by them. He preached in front of Felix. He preached in front of Festus. He preached in front of uh, 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 Augustus. Caesar Augustus, and, and all of these men that were, that were high up in, in politics and in government, wherever Paul went, he preached the gospel. Why? Because he wanted to finish his course. He wanted to finish the race well. And he was striving to preach the gospel. And he was striving to preach it, not just where everybody had already heard it before. He was striving to preach it where people hadn't heard it before. What we would call the hard areas to preach in. The hard places, the places that haven't already been plowed and softened up the hearts of men where they could receive the the, the Word of God. He wanted to go to those places. And there was an effort and there was a fervor and there was a, 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 a zeal that Paul had in striving to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He had a desire to be found faithful. Look with me in Acts chapter number 15. Acts chapter number 15. We need to be ready. We need to seek the Word. We need to proclaim the Word with uh, boldness and with confidence. We need to preach it, reminding folks of it. We need to strive to preach it. And uh, number 6, Acts chapter number 15 and verse number 21. Acts chapter 15 and verse number 21. For Moses of old time hath in every city them that what? Preached him, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. Can I tell you this? We need to preach in every city. And I'm not saying you got to go to every city in the world that's ever been around, but I'm saying everywhere you go, preach. Share the gospel everywhere you go. Everywhere you go, let people know. Tell them. Every city needs to have a witness. Every place we go needs to have a witness. Um, I was talking to a friend uh, this week, the, the fellow that I met uh, last Tuesday, and uh, he was in a, in a, a bad accident, a motorcycle accident, and got hurt. And at the time, he, he was uh, going to a church. In fact, his dad was a Southern Baptist preacher. And uh, he was going to a church, but uh, he had kind of gotten a little bit away from some things and had some biker friends and stuff. But he had gotten in an accident on his bike. And he said, not one person from the church darkened my doorstep during those days after the accident. He said, but those friends of mine that were bikers, he said, they were at my door almost every day seeing if I needed anything trying to help. Can I tell you this? There was a church there that failed somehow. They were content serving in their little comfort area. But they weren't willing to reach out. They weren't willing to go out into every area that needed to be reached. Jesus told His disciples to go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. When those that were called to the wedding refused and wouldn't come, He said, go out and find somebody. Go out and get those that that maybe aren't even invited to the wedding. Go out and get those. Share the gospel with them. Bring them in. We need to witness everywhere we go. 
Uh, next thing I would say, and our last one, is in Acts chapter number 5. Acts chapter number 5. Out of all the ones that I've given to you, this is probably the one that I would say we need to make certain that out of all of them, and, and I don't think we ought to let any of them lapse, but out of all of them, I think we need to make sure this one does not lapse. Look with me, if you will. Acts chapter number 5. And uh, let's go to uh, verse number 41. Let's, I'm going to back up just a little bit. The, the, the apostles uh, were, were brought before the, the councils and the, the leadership of the day. And they were, they were being told, listen, we, don't, we, we appreciate your zeal, but don't preach. We don't want you to preach the gospel anymore. And notice, uh, as they were trying to, to chastise these men, some of the leadership of the church... Uh, got together, and they, in verse number 38 of chapter 5, it says, And now I say unto you, refrain from these men, and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest happily be found even to fight against God. And So even the leaders of the church said, listen, we need to kind of let them alone, because if it's of men, it's not going to come to anything anyway. If it's of God, who are we to fight against what God's doing? But notice what he says in verse 40. And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them. Did we see that? When they called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And notice what their response was after they rejoiced in this. And what's the next word here? Daily in the temple and in every house, they what? Ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Can I say that this ought to be the one that we hold to? If every other one of them slip out of our grasp, don't let this one slip. Cease not. You say, well, it's hard, Pastor. Well, these men were beaten. They were commanded by those that civilly were and religiously were in authority over them not to do it. And yet the Bible says they cease not. Any of you here, don't raise your hand, but any of us ever been beaten for preaching the gospel? You say, well, Pastor, that person hurt my feelings. They shut the door. <laughs> A long cry from being beaten for it. Well, they cussed me out, Pastor. Years ago, my mom and dad taught me this little thing. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You ever heard that? We think because somebody cussed us or shut the door or said, I'm not interested, that we have been persecuted for preaching the gospel. These apostles were beaten. They were commanded by people in authority, don't do this. And yet the Bible says daily daily in the temple and from house to house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus. You and I have a responsibility to reach this world. We need to be ready. We need to know this book well. We need to be ready in our mindset and our attitude that regardless of what comes my way, I will preach the gospel. We need to seek out this book and read it, love it, cherish it. We need to proclaim it with the confidence and a belief that what it says is true with every fiber of our being. When we teach and preach the Word of God, it needs to be with the greatest and utmost confidence, not with the question mark in our mind about it.
We need to know it. We need to remind people of it. Preach it over and over and over again. We need to strive to preach. We need to preach in every city, everywhere we go. And lastly, we need to cease not to preach. I hope, I hope that we will take these seven very practical truths from God's Word and apply them to our lives. We're living in a day where our world needs Christians that will preach the Word, that will be instant, in season and out of season, people that will allow the Word of God to do its work in the hearts of men. And want to encourage us in that. Let's stand together. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Father, we're thankful for Your Word, how it instructs us and guides us. We thank You for its power, for its might, not only in the work, working in the hearts of those that are lost, but, Father, even the transforming work that it does in my life and in the lives of those that are gathered here today that we study and read and learn from it and how it changes us and causes us to become more and more like 